welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there's an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show a little support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going like a strong cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. We are all quasi-molo. IMDb said this episode is a 10 out of 10. Do we agree? Well, it's time to sing and dance as the Rusical has entered Drag Race France. How did the girlies do with a parody of a beloved classic? It's time to talk all things Drag Race France, too. And joining me is someone who hates musical theater likely more than the patriarchy and bright, happy colors. It's Amanda Massacre. <laughs> oh, where is the lie? No, I'm kidding. Please don't come for me, gaze. <laughs> um, I need to. <laughs> Why do you hate musical theater? You know, I don't hate it. It's not, that's not it. I just, um, you know what? I'm going to blame my attention span. And I feel like okay, fair. when when you are watching a musical, you have to pay attention. You have to get yes. it. You have to listen. There's a lot of things going on. And for me, it's a sensory overload. And I cannot, um, unless it's a theme that captures me. For instance, Sweeney Todd, Forever and Ever, I will watch, enjoy, whatever. Yes. You know? That's great for me. Yeah, exactly. Like that's on, that's on bread. But other than that, like, you know, I have a friend who constantly talks to me about rent. I'm sorry. I, I don't know her. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fair. That's Again, fair. do not come for me. <laughs> well, friends don't come for me for my pronunciations. I apologize, friends. Um, I'm sorry. Please let me in when I come. Um, I'm just bad. I'm bad at pronunciations. It's Okay. And as always, I must leave a disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We're discussing reality TV show characters as presented to us with reality television production. We are showing the other name of television show wants us to see. We react to what's presented. Yes, these are real people and give an opportunity to go on television and share their crap, but they've also put themselves in a position to be discussed. What is said in this podcast is for entertainment to discuss reality television show. Okay. That's on period. Five episodes into Drag Race France 2. How are you feeling? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, as of right now, I am upset given uh the results of these episodes yes um but but i will say challenges have been good runways have been good so overall you know i it all makes sense why they brought it back you know that's fair that's fair um how, how are you feeling about our our dear new york sister nikki doll um she's doing great this season i feel like she's definitely um like I feel like obviously first season, she's something new for her, especially as someone who didn't even win their season. Right. And you could kind of see like, again, she was, it's all new. It was all new for her. And now I feel like she definitely has much more confidence. And it's funny that, you know, you could see it, but I was watching, uh, you know, one of those uh, YouTube rabbit holes. She did an interview just this past week with Maddie Morphosis. Mm-hmm. And she pretty much said like, they, uh, he asked her the same thing and I was like, oh, okay, well, 
it's because like season one, I was like very stuck into like, oh my God, oh my God, like these poor contestants. Like I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like. And now she's like, no bitch, I'm the judge. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, work. Like Take gloves are off. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive in. The music is sad as the sea slug leads the charge into the room. Peach is gone. The queens are rattled as Peach was an incredible performer with a great sense of humor. And Punani will say that Peach got lost in the lip sync against Ginger, and the show will give us a snippet where it makes it actually seem like Peach didn't care. But once again, she didn't have the ability to give the Peach show in her look. But hey, if you want to stay, I guess you got to strip down to whatever Ginger wore. Robbed. Rigor Morris. Peach was the rebel queen of the season, and now her message is wiped away, just like my hope of her victory. There's always versus the world. That's true. Ginger is happy to say, but she's not thrilled that she had to eliminate someone. Methinks she didn't think she should have been at the bottom, which I agree with you. Mommy, you are a lucky bitch. You got away with murder on that runway. Oh my God, stop. I was living for SpongeBob. The, 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 the hemlines? And, I don't and care. The, the That's called the stress. It's called fashion. Look it no, up. it's not. It is. I made it in my hotel room. No, no, no. The sleeping ginger has been awakened. Hunani is congratulated and she's like, but why in this aquatic Marge Simpson look? Why did this have to be my victory look? <laughs> she's glad it was for Snatch Game, though. She's now feeling relaxed in the competition. And those are not uh, good words to say in this show. We know what happens when you say that. Production will give them their evil laugh and say, ha, 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 ha. You're going so wild. to Now, either this is a setup for this episode or it's all pure coinkydink. Mommy will ask Kiona, how it feels to be at the top and not win. Well, she won't give her opinion, but she'll slay mommy by telling her to join her there. Not going to happen anytime soon. Kiona is not going to give up. She's going to stay on top. And that sets us up for this episode. Really? I know. Now, you as um, a native New Yorker, mm-hmm. um, the prize being a trip for two to New York City and a Broadway musicale, um thoughts i mean they could have done better that's not really that much of a prize i'm sorry (laughs) what if we find out it's like literally just staying at nikki's apartment i was gonna say that's probably it it's like okay five-star hotel actually (laughs) nikki actually we couldn't get the hotel but nikki's away traveling so why don't you just stay in her apartment airbnb yep exactly the queens have decided today would be a great day to play hot and go drag um do you play that with wednesday (laughs) <laughs> I do actually who wins uh, Wednesday always wins she's very fast of course of course there's no time for chit chat as the cockadoodles and it's time for Nikki's message where she asks if they want to escape to a fairy tale or a musical I mean listen who doesn't love when someone breaks on the song I think life would be simpler if it did oh my gosh I no comment <laughs> Nikki arrives giving us red and blue and heels, baby. But why are the heels in black? Like black and blue, shame on you. Yeah, that's a that's a fashion faux pas. She knows better. Nikki is here to tell them about the summer and the mini challenge inspired by Fort Bayard. For those who may not know or don't remember, Soa the Muse's character from last season's Snatch Game. Um, she did someone inspired from Fort Bayard. It's a long-running French game show similar to the UK's Crystal Maze, where contestants have to complete challenges to win prizes. Uh, do you like games like this? 
Mm, I don't know. I feel like I'm much more of like a nerdy, like Jeopardy kind of person. Do you like Joy Amanda Massacre? No. <laughs> no. no, this is a no fun zone. Fiona wants to be on the show, but only in drag with long wig, long nails, and impeccable heels. For this week's mini challenge, they will play their own version of the show. They will have to face their biggest fears in order to win. And I'm like, um, so if I was there and I had to like confront Ghost Boy, like that's my biggest fear. Like that's what they're gonna oh, have to no. do. Nikki is going to show them something scary though, and it's gonna get them all to scream. An orange down vest. Is that a fashion faux pas? Is it a crime to wear that? I mean, that's, yeah, orange. If anybody knows me, they know how I feel about the color orange, so. The queens have five minutes to get into drag, and literally, they're just going to find whatever works and not waste to look for the future, because um, whatever they came out in, I was like, well, it was in your suitcase. <laughs> yeah, truly. Now, they're about to plunge into the unknown, and no, not into the pit crew member, um welcome to ford by oz each jar has a key in which they have to retrieve and each jar has a mystery content but only one key can unlock a secret compartment and that key is on that lock is on a chastity belt um we are not holding back friends we are like here is the crotch shot truly but that's very french so leave them alone is it is it really french yeah, we, of course listen there's always it's on tv you know it's, it's a very french okay all right first up will be cookie who will be putting her hand in what looks like crap i hope uh, it was like chocolate pudding or something of that nature but was, uh, it was vile i was very disturbed i was not okay because yep just was not a cute moment the queen's reaction hard pass um yeah. also this whole segment just went on very long like with the poop or whatever the substance. yeah whatever yeah yeah. And poor, her poor nails. Oh, all of them, yeah. Ugh. Next, we have Punani, who goes hand deep in old, crusty, damp wigs. Um, compared to Cookie, this was nothing. But what was, there was still, like, residue. Like, it wasn't just, like, I don't know. There was nasty shit in everything, so. But why are we pretending this was bad compared to what Cookie had to do? Well, no, I know. She definitely got the shit out of the sick, literally. <laughs> We are going to move right along with Sarah, who goes elbow deep in some gelatin, um, but it's the fake screams that made the bit. Uh, she went ham. She's very, 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 very yeah. funny. I feel like Sarah and Jimbo would put on a good show. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. Moon's turn, and she has plastic snakes. Like, come on, they're fake. <laughs> But imagine if Drag Race France brought in real snakes. Like, that would be brilliant. Dragula. Um, <laughs> but listen, it's a mini challenge and it's for silly prizes and a silly power. So it doesn't. Classic snakes work. Ginger goes and she's like, damn sponges. Is that a fear for people? Um, after Monet exchange, I guess so. <laughs> um, this seemed mild, but allegedly it stunk. Was it acting? I don't know. Now it's Kiona who has squishy, spiky things that kids would play with in the 90s. I was like, that is not hard. And she just went in like it was easy, in and out, an expert. Yeah. Finally, we have Mama Wa Mami Wata who has to go in on, I think it was like colored spaghetti or something. Was, I don't know what it was. Again, nothing compared to the cookies. Like it was just. <laughs> 
Um, but it takes her a while because there's a lot of that crap in there and it n- did not move. So she couldn't even find the key. Yeah. Well, now that all the girls have gone, let's see whose keys opens the man. Cookie failed. Punani failed. We're going to jump right over to Kiana victory. Are we surprised? I just, you know what I hate about these challenges is like the Queens, like if I had been there and it was set up that way, it's like, I can't control what key I get. Right. Like, it's not like they all had a chance to like dig through each one and find a key. It was like, there was nothing at random. Like I got the key I was going to get period. And I would have been like, ew, I'm not putting my hand in there. Well, what did she win? An orange vest. I hope she kept it. Yeah. I hope she does a photo shoot with that. Oh, yeah. She probably will. For this week's Minute Maxi Challenge, they will be partaking in the first edition of a cold classic challenge, the Rusical, or Mm -hmm. what they're going to try to say here, and it doesn't stick, the Musa Drag. Um, I feel like Musa Drag is better than Rusical for a non-Ru hosted series. Mm -hmm. People signed off. Tell me what we prefer. Mm, I like Rusical, but also we've been watching RuPaul for like the last like thousand years. And I right. just like, you know, at this point, yeah, we've been conditioned. They will be paying tribute to one of the greatest French musicals in a new show called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I was personally hoping for Les Miserables, but I feel like that was way too dark for this show. Probably. I think they wanted to keep everything lighthearted and fun and, you know. As the winner of the mini challenge, Kiona will get to assign the roles. Uh, tell me that mini challenge was not a setup. <laughs> Their jury this week will feature two musical-inspired guests, DJ Barbara Butch and the artist behind Lips' talent song last season, Juliette Armand. Um, do you know the work of either of those ladies? I don't, but I was like, work. Like, they just seem like very fierce people. So yeah. I was like, don't know them, but like the second they came out, I was like, okay, cool. The queens hit the table to find out a little bit about the hunchback of Notre Dame. The girls will do their thing, you know, like dancing and moving and grooving as they listen to the tracks, which was like very um, silly. When they come together, we're going to get a start of a rundown of the characters from Kiana. In order of appearance, we have the narrator who tells the story. And even if she sings out of tune, she wants her solo. And she's with a sexy young man. Oh, twink crew, that's my role. (laughs) So who wants to be the narrator? Well, it's a big text and Cookie is not afraid of a big, thick text. She'll take it. (laughs) Next is Quasimolo. His father locks him up in his room because he's ashamed of his appearance and manners. He has one dream only, to live to the fullest. We learn that's the story of everyone there. How cute. Um, Can we talk about the name Quasimolo? Is that translating to something? I do not 100% know, but I think... I think it is, I, I don't know why, like everything they use in slang, like the slang words in French that they use on Drag Race, I feel like they're all dick jokes. Yeah. But I don't think so. Not in this case. Someone help us. Apparently, apparently it says, um, the internet is telling me that it is slang for easy, like take it easy. Okay. Okay. Great. But I don't know. Someone will help. Sound, us it doesn't sound. It. it doesn't sound like funny. That's what I'm thinking. It's got to be like something perverted. Next is the baker who knows about Quasimodo and is fond of him. And now we're going to talk about Esmeralda, the role of contention. 
She's a young girl, a cheerful street girl. She spends her time dancing barefoot. No flat feet. Um, <laughs> hashtag Barbie movie. We learn that she is very happy and kind of a hussy. Malo is Quasimolo's father and embodies the patriarchy. He locked up his son, his heart, and her little secret. The last parts are the Dragoyles, a.k.a. the Gargoyles, and they are revisited, revised version of the Gargoyles. They're funny, groovy, and inseparable duo. Now, before we dive into the parts, I already said what part I will play because I want a sexy man with me. What role would you have selected? I feel like i would probably choose the role with the least speaking but that's just me. <laughs> that's just me like trying to be like smart about it um mm-hmm. but the uh female lead um the one based on esmeralda um esmeralda. yeah esmeralda. um i'd probably do that just because i get to act a fool on stage dancing around and you know not taking Absolutely. myself Kiana will be diplomatic and create a table to make statistics and rank their choices of girls to see how they can be fair. I like this approach. It's a very me thing to do. Like this is, I give me a spreadsheet and I am happy because I have a degree in spreadsheets. <laughs> Mami Wata will say that her first choice is Quasimodo, then Malo, then narrator, then the baker. Uh, this is a great system, but it's bad when you give that many choices, but we'll get to her in a second. Mm-hmm. Moon says she wants to play Malo as she thinks playing a dad is kind of cool. Very uh, Sasha Colby of her. Yes, I was going to say. Moon says that Malo embodies the patriarchy and says if a trans person does it, it could be great. Now, Cookie, who I thought already claimed a part, will say that she wants to play Malo and thinks Mommy should be Esmeralda, but she's like, no, I do not want that part. No, ma'am. Punani says that she wants to play Dragoy. Um, Dragoye, uh, it's the only role she's eyeing. Sarah will say that she wants to play Dragoye or Dragoya. Um, so it's settled. Punani and Sarah as the drag, the gargoyles, right? Wrong. Ginger is like, it's so predictable as they're friends in real life, and the girls are going to be like, we'd make a good duo. And Kiana is trying to be fair and explain to Ginger about her system. And Ginger's like, this is a competition, and we have to compete with one another and not work, not work with friend. So Sarah will smartly remind the girls that she did in fact want to work with Punani in the croissant show challenge, but she was shut down. So this would be her first time, in fact, working with Punani. Now, Cookie Kunti is the instigator, as she will say that she can see Punani and Sarah working together. And Ginger is miffed that she is interfering in things that don't concern her. So now Ginger will be stuck with the part nobody wants, Esmeralda, which allegedly is a Bigger story than the show let on. Apparently, there was a lot more of a discussion um, to get this outburst to happen. Hmm. And you know, because the role is essentially a, quote, gypsy woman, and that may or may not be cultural appropriation to some. Uh, remember when Peach was here? Would have been a great part and not controversial at all, but I digress. That's absolutely what a great point. Like, literally, the show knew what the next challenge was. Yeah, but I feel like she would have killed the Rusical. She would have slaughtered it. Yeah. To finalize things, we have Cookie as the narrator, Moon as Mono, Kiona as Quasimodo, and Mommy as the baker. The casting is done. Time to get to work, right? 
wrong. We will see nothing, not a moment of rehearsal or anything. It's going to be a mystery. And rumor has it that the production gave them a full day to rehearse, which is wild, but hey, the product proved it. It was worthwhile. I was going to say, like, they definitely, I feel like the international franchises, they just, they actually want them to succeed. Yes. (laughs) like they really, they really do get time. They really do get like an extra set of hands. I feel like it just, I don't know. It, it's just, Rue just likes chaos. We're going to jump ahead to Elimination Day as the queens are in good spirits as the day of the show, y'all. We're not getting any other segments. We're straight into Elimination Day. How are they feeling? Well, Sarah's feeling great as this is something they love to do. They are taking great pleasure in defending something they know is beautiful and exciting. Punani says the Rusical credited created a sisterhood that has pushed them to the top. See, Amanda, now be in a Rusical, then you'll have a new sisterhood. Um, Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, that's true because I know plenty of uh, my drag friends here and drag sisters, whenever they do, you know, big productions like that, they always end up like, yeah, they'll have like little dramatic moments, obviously because it's drag queens in a room together um but they always end up really close you know it's like when people do competitions together same thing they end up with all these besties yeah dare is it because they're all in this together (laughs) exactly give you a musical reference yes i'm aware i'm aware you know you were obsessed with high school musical maybe for like five seconds no i actually never watched you wanted to be gabriella no, I swear to you, I never watched any of those things. Um, but I'll tell you, I know enough about pop culture that that's why I can recognize what you just said to me. Do you okay, know what I mean? Okay, like, fine. I, um, I, I know. Amanda, uh, you know that there is a, a, a series on the podcast called Make You Watch. Um, you might have just signed up for it. No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kiona will say that she identifies with Quasimodo because she shares the same story with her father. She says they're out of touch as she realized from a young age that he isn't open-minded. She says he judges a lot and he doesn't try to understand, so she cut ties with him when she hit adulthood. She says that he always wanted his son to become a doctor or a soldier, but she thwarted his plans. She is the total opposite. Ginger will ask if her father will watch the show, and she thinks he will as her brother will try to show him, and she hopes he regrets his ways because he'll miss the opportunity to be with a star. Sarah notes that it's great that Kiona's pain and experience are driving her through to do things on stage as they are cathartic and adds a special part to the character. Interesting storyline for Kiona to see how this is all tied together. Mm-hmm. Bunani shares that when she told her parents, they just said, you dress like a girl, as if that's all it was. Meanwhile, it's more than just, you know, lip syncing and acting. She says it's not only about taking on another's gender attributes. The art of drag is the art of self-transformation and bringing an alter ego to life. It's about being your own inspiration and muse. What do you think of Punani's take on that? I mean, I think it's spot on. It's the reason why I do drag sometimes. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's it's something uh, very powerful. You know, it's not just it's not impersonating or it's not just gender expression. It's really the theatricality of it all. Right. And like, you really do have this alter ego persona that like, as much as, as much as I'm at a drag, very similar to my drag persona at the same time, there's a lot of confidence in a man of massacre that at a drag, I don't have, or, um, the way I dress, I mean, fuck, 
Amanda Massacre, Amanda Massacre wears color, you know, and out of drag, I truly don't. So red is in fact a color friend. It just really confirming. is. Yes. Yes. Ginger says that the problem with drag is that it's hypersexualized and people mistake drag with prostitution and cross-dressing. People are confused. And I will add that just people are ignorant and unwilling to learn about the art of drag. Honestly, honestly, that comment hit home because I remember in a cab, I don't know if I've told the story before, but in a cab ride home after a gig, um, the cab driver definitely made comments where I know for a fact he thought I was a prostitute. Like that was automatically the assumption he made. And it was Look, like, can, not cool. yeah, not at all. No. And I, it's one of those things where I know that we could all point to where the misconception came yeah, from and how it all happened. But I feel like in the mainstream, we've kind of changed the narrative, but people just have not understood it or cared to understand it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's so many things, I mean, Listen, we could talk about this all day, right? Absolutely. Issues with drag story hour where it's like the most innocent thing in the world. You're literally trying to teach children how to read and like read to them. And they're all wonderful books with wonderful morals and like great characters. And yet somehow it's like, ew, you're trying to groom our children. What? They're reading a fucking book. Like, What's wrong with you? Cookie continues to say that drag has a lot of misunderstandings and ignorance and people think it's a shady job and it's linked to sex work, which nothing wrong with that either. There's just no link. Cookie will compare it to being an actor where they play a character on stage. So they're artists themselves. That's Mm -hmm. what people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Moon will share that most of the time her drag is based on characters and alter ego she creates. She says it's great to play a man as she fought for this part. She's going to embrace it. She says that she sometimes underestimates her courage to go back to being a man, especially since it's the disguise she wore for 30 years. She notes that since she came out as a transgender person, she hasn't put it back on. She says to put it back on for TV, she's realizing it's complicated. She says it's hard to appropriate male codes as it took many years to let go and understand that it didn't belong to her. It's super hard to go back to them after her transition. Now, this was a bit of a conversation we sort of heard on the most recent American season of Drag Race, Drag Race 15 with Sasha Colby. But Sasha Colby has uh, transitioned for a while now. So it's a different experience than it is for Moon. Absolutely. I was actually a little worried because, you know, a couple episodes back, she gave us, you know, this conversation about, you know, body dysmorphia and all her experiences so far and her depression and like everything. And I was like, as someone who knows so many trans people, I, I'm fully aware of what, you know, gender dysphoria is like. And I didn't want her to put herself in a role. Like, yes, she wanted to challenge herself. Yes, she wanted to like, you know, do the most, but it's like at the risk of your health. I don't know, baby. Like I, I wouldn't if I were you, but you know. We'll, we'll, we'll honestly, see if there's an after effect to yeah. it. Kiana tells her she is brave because beyond the risk taking on stage, taking a personal risk, she knows that they don't realize how important it is and what it implies and means, and shares that she has a drag daughter who she accompanied during their transition. So she knows exactly what she's going through. She says, thank you for existing. And we get a loving trauma hug. Kiana reminds her that there is so much involved and how important this is. She tells her to enjoy the moment and kick ass. And mommy tells her that if, Moon can pull off the part of a stereotypical dad trapped in toxic masculinity. It could be the highlight of the musical. 
Moon says that she is going to put aside her dysphoria and enter euphoria for the musical. It's time to make a smash, a show Amanda never watched. But I know, I know, I know of. She's like, fuck you, I'm not letting me be your star. <laughs> Let's bring it to the runway. Uh, we have Nikki giving us French fashion, darling. Did you like her look? I did. She always... Mm-hmm. I. I have yet to see a look from her that I really don't like. She know, I mean, an in drag rather. Right. Yep. Our panel includes Daphne Berkey trying to be Ashley too. What was that wig? What was she doing there? Uh, you know, there's only one Anna locking. You know. <laughs> That's all I we have say. Kitty Smile who is dressed up as a sex doll, and then we have the wonderful DJ Barbara Butch, who is allegedly a Jean-Paul Gaultier muse. How do I become one? I just want his money. Um, How I, many muses does he have? Oh, yeah, so many. Um, I don't know, but I said the same thing to myself, too, because I'm like, why not? Why not? Uh, right. Why not me? Does, does your employer have muses? Can you be one of theirs? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 nope, I don't look anything like the company muse. I'll tell you that. And finally, it's Disco Diva Julia Armanat, who has been watching Ellipse's performance many times and shares that she wishes she could take off her clothes like her. Uh, so there's that. Let's begin with our musical. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now to begin, one of our amazing listeners informed me that much of the music is parodies of some famous French musicals, including the actual source material. Now, I will say that in the scope of the Disney cinematic universe, Hunchback is not one of my favorite music movies. If y'all go back and listen to the Disney song showdown episode we did, there was so much debate about Hunchback as one of the panelists would die for that movie. But that's a whole different podcast. I, I am not a fan of this movie either. Um, I don't get it. I don't like it. I watched it maybe once as a child because mm-hmm. I was forced to and that's it no more my favorite songs from the movie are um topsy-turvy and um bells of notre dame so like the Chopin characters songs clearly I, mean, I like the fool yeah I was gonna say like you at least you know the songs I can't remember yeah. anything that's okay god help the outcast you don't you don't know that one nope I, all those sung- guys, I hated all those guys I, like you know what sung by Bette Miller <laughs> You know what? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Yes. But the, the closest thing, like my closest memory to that movie, like actual positive or likable um, were the McDonald's toys. Of course. Of course. Yep. Um, do you want a goat named Jolly? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Okay. Fine. We are going to begin with our narrator, Cookie, who is just simply in her element. This was a great part for her to perform. She got to be a character and was not um, forced to be any stereotype. She was big and campy and she looked wild. Overall, I loved her performance. I was very impressed with Cookie. I didn't expect it. I didn't think she'd kill it. I don't know why I thought she was maybe going to be up for elimination. Boy, was I wrong. Also, I wish I had a hunk with me. That man was hot. Like, hold my book too, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I found out who his name, so I might go follow him, but oh my god, might give it a time. Um, and please note that throughout this entire sequence, Hunani and Sarah are perched on that platform. Like that's called talent yeah. to stand still as a gargoyle. Yeah, yeah. 
Our first song has Kiona as Quasimodo, and that look was a choice. Um, but the thing that I was upset about, why was that hump not bigger? Like, give me a giant hump for purposes of camp. Um, I thought she looked campy enough, to be honest with you, because that, as you said, that look was a choice. And in that, I laughed because, again, it looked nothing like her in drag. No. And, you know, that was enough. You know, I didn't need the extra, like, lumpy hump. Tiona was really committed, made great acting choices. I was wildly impressed. And even Mommy as the baker was quite funny. Yeah. Um, it was just wild to see how much taller she is with Kiona not in heels. Yeah. Typically, in musicals on this show, the protagonist will not win because they are the least camp character, despite sometimes giving the best performances, Kaka for Regina Voce. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kiona broke that trend and did very well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there were a couple of people I think that, I mean, truth be told, really, I think everybody did a good job, right? At at the end of the day, like I was entertained. I mean, I texted you immediately and was like, what a great episode. You better watch. Um, And again, this is not necessarily my cup of tea, but I really enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, I think the standouts, the standout was the standout and it was about time anyway. The Baker role was a role that no one seemed to want, despite it actually having some of the best content. And, mm. and I think for that part alone, that's why Mommy was safe. Mm. Um, but we'll get to her runway. Yeah. I love the innuendos in this first song between Quasimodo wanting to be blown away and wanting big opportunities. This is the shit I live for. That's that's my style of humor. I love yeah. that shit. Now we have the arrival of Esmeralda. Now she is described as being hairy. And then when Ginger makes her reveal, you might not have even noticed the single strand of hair on the face. Very oh. lost. Oh, I definitely noticed. I, yeah, I was like, what in the fuck is that? What was that? Like, yeah. Her costume was very much in line with the Disney version of the character. Correct. Um, now, it's hard for me to say if it was Ginger and her lack of, the, lack of enthusiasm for the role or if the role just didn't have substance. But essentially, Esmeralda was there to dance as a gimmick. And mm. I do think someone who is a dancer could have made something of the part. But I do understand why no one wanted this part. Um, though I really want more tea. I want to know what happened. Hmm. Oh, and death to expose corsets. Stop it. <laughs> as Esmeralda is dancing, it's the baker and Quasimodo's dancing next to her that stole the show. Like, come on, twerking. Yeah. Wow. Can you twerk? Uh, of course. Wow. All right. Of course. Icon. No. <laughs> of course. Molo song. Let's let's get in with it. Uh, our entrance, super angry Molo. Molo embodied that character. Um, Moon was great. It was incredible. And I wonder if she had a stronger runway that she might have won. Um, I don't know. I I just, you know what it was for me? I thought it, I guess I expected her to be a little angrier and she took much more of like a campy route, which Mm -hmm. was great. There's nothing wrong with it, but I don't know. Like I just didn't get exactly what I wanted from the role. Now Molo's song very much in line with the character Frollo from um, the film of Disney variety. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously there were a lot of twists and turns, but 
for fans of the Disney film, this is one of the darkest characters in the entire Disney vault. Mm. Go back and watch it. It's it's terrifying. No, I, I'm familiar with the rep. Like I, I knew who the character was, and that I think that's also part of why I don't like this. Hellfire. <gasps> Come on, Disney. I love love the contrast of this dark and brooding character, then jumping into the effeminate choreography and right, right. Very well done. Uh, that pantsy reveal, very cute, very cute. Yeah. Kiona was giving you acting beats. She gave you levels. This was an emotional rusical. Mm-hmm. Now, when we got to our gargoyles, I've notoriously said that statistically speaking, being in a group role in a rusical is usually a sign of a bottom performance simply because it's hard to stand out. Um, one person who's defied that, um, Batita, but that's a whole different conversation. I can't wait for the end of the year awards and I have to talk about Batita and try to figure out what we what 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 happened in Espana. Mm. They gave her wins. Um, but this duo. I thought they were in sync with each other. Punani and Sarah were f- a fantastic pair. Watch out, Rose. You might be replaced. Oh, no. Remember Not... her? No, I do. <laughs> I do. So their, the, their Instagram candle will make sure we never forget. These gargoyles were sassy and fun, and their number was what dreams are made of. It was a French rock song that sold camp and sex and an opportunity to play. This was the song that I think all closeted queer kids need to hear to encourage themselves to be themselves. I mean, come on. I want to rock out to this in my bedroom. Yeah, it was. I I don't know, actually. That's a good question. But I definitely enjoyed that number as well. I think they made a great, great team and they were into it. And like, they're just funny and silly. And, you know, they really. And then we got to the Willie song. Hide the Willie. What a moment. I would have cut it. Didn't need it. We will have a musical costume change to get our transformation. And it was so uh, musical theater where the costume's already on. But um, look, it's a drag queen. We head back to the streets of Paris where it's all about the dancing and finding out that this is the new and improved Quasimolo. But Molo will come to ruin the day. And this is when we have our characters tell him that we are all Quasimodo, and he's an idiot, so he needs to be explained through song. <laughs> if only how that's how life worked. Do you imagine? Could you imagine all of the fights people get into, but and it's then through you just song by singing? Yeah, <laughs> this song is going to be our equivalent of that wig loose moment of teaching that will be played to death to get people to love each other. Um, it's the new trend. Watch every musical for the next two years have a touching. Oh, of course. Well, you know what? If it didn't, I think people would be very upset. Like, you know, as the largest platform showcasing drag worldwide, like if they if they don't do it, who will, you know? But I want rats the rusical. I like that shit. I know. I miss you know what I'm I miss one of my favorite rusicals of all time. We are the comedy queens? No. (laughs) Season five's uh the history of Rue. Uh-huh. I just thought that was like just funny shit. I was just I think maybe because Alyssa Edwards really fucking gave it her all in that dance number with Coco. Yeah. But it lives rent-free in my mind. So I think this is literally the only time that the Esmeralda character gets to do anything but dance. So it's a great part to play, but with Ginger, she just didn't go big enough. Mm-hmm. 
watching the jury cry during this, I guess being in the room gets you in the feels. Um, but I was like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Would you cry? Uh, I'm not capable of tears, no. That's what I thought. That's why. I <laughs> but the teaching moment is for Molo. Did he learn anything? Well, he would have liked a bigger bleep. And yes, friends, he wanted a bigger cock. A doodle do. <laughs> you know what? I thought this was a great rusical. Very well done. Very well executed. I honestly, again, very impressed. All of them. I can't even say, like, even the people that ended up on the bottom, I don't think had, like, bottom-worthy performances. I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. The Hunchback of Notre Drag or Wig mm. Loose? Mm. I'm, I'm going to say this one, actually. I think I will, too. I mean, Don't at me, friends. I, <laughs> I was going to give you a reason why, but I won't because that will give definitely me. for me. No. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> Fine. When I start launching a Patreon, that'll be behind the uh, paywall. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Pay $5 now, a month to hear all the tea. Now, in a moment that we rarely see, the judges are going to talk to them after their performance. What? Nikki will cry as she tells them she is extremely proud as she knows how hard they've been working. She will tell them she saw stars in front of her. Juliet says it was dazzling, moving, funny, and they were all moved to see them. DJ Barbabush will tell them what it, that it will resonate in everyone's heart. And it's really important to say to the people watching who aren't free yet to be who they are. And we are all one family as they are not and will never be alone. Daphne is hysterical as she says that a lot of people will recognize themselves in Quasimodo and she hopes they meet a family that accompanies them and they have find a safe place where they can express themselves and grow. She says they don't realize that they will what they did on stage was create a family, a big bubble in which we feel very safe. Nikki says that is drag. And Kitty has nothing to say. Can I just say he is one of the least impactful judges on any franchise. What is wrong with Kitty's smile? Um, that's a good point. I just, I don't know if he's like that in person. Like maybe this is just the edit um, or um, they're just like, in their own like they're just not about that you know and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that like there have been a couple guest judges that i would like put them in instead of kitty like it's very very interesting this season has been worse than last season but i have to say though i do really still think like all of this was a lot like it was a lot of pomp and circumstance like oh absolutely watching like i mean I, i can't say i was watching the same thing because they obviously watched who knows what happened behind the scenes but I just was like, y'all are crying. I don't know. I wasn't like, <laughs> it was great, but I wasn't moved to tears. Category is excess couture. In honor of the runway, we will play excess or adequate. Okay. Now I want to ask you. Yes. You are a fashion diva. Yes. What do you do for this category? <gasps> okay. So I had the the second that I started seeing things come down the runway, I was like, I would absolutely do my rendition of an Alexander McQueen look from his, oh God, I want to say 19. Let me look this up because I don't want to, because Cholo Spears will get me <laughs> if I don't get this correct. She's the only one that understands this um, the same way I do. Oh my God, was I right? Wait, 1995? Mm. 
Oh my God. I, oh my God. I wish I would have said it out loud. I really was right. Yes. 1995's collection, fall collection, Horn of Plenty. And mm. if anybody knows this, it's literally like the models are walking around what looks like heaping piles of like garbage and like metallic, like sculpture. Anyway, it was, it's a beautiful moment. It's, it's one of his like most well-known collections while he was alive. Um, and there's so many amazing, amazing looks um, that I feel like I would just embellish on and exaggerate for this challenge. I love that. I love that. Really All right, let's start with Cookie Conti. Look by Miss Boo, hair by Jean-Baptiste Santines, and jewels by Artisan Beaujardier. This was a fashion moment. I love that she handed her bag to someone off stage. I was like, what <laughs> is happening? Um, between the pink taffeta, the black velvet this was fantasy unlocks the train how does she get this look to drag race that's my bigger question it's styled so impeccably well the hair is breathtaking this is one of those moments where you don't need stones when the rest of the look is a statement on its own i think a bracelet would have been nice the mug is right though purple eyeshadow would not have been my go-to but overall this was fashion um wow see this is the cookie that i knew before drag race remember mm -hmm. i told you when i got excited i was like ah, i know who that is i know who their drag family is like very on point on brand makes a whole lot of sense also yeah how heavy was that fucking look is what i want to know like yeah. just, just walking down i mean like you could you could see obviously that is maybe she lives next door to the studio i don't well maybe i don't know or the, well you know they're allowed to have like errands right like the, the I feel like they're allowed. No, I don't know how it works. Anymore. I think I think these um, from some of the things I've seen on Drag Race France, I feel like they're allowed to do a lot of things. Um, and see an insight to the interview Nikki did with Maddie Morphosis, she revealed that I think they're allowed to leave on like Sunday or something. They can go hang out. Oh, they're not locked in their hotel room. Maybe that's why there's happiness. I think that's I think that's part of it. It's like. They really, they get a break. There's a and lot. And it's funny that you're saying that they get to go hang out. You know what hang out means. Oh, they're going course. to have sex. Yeah, no, I mean, Nikki, <laughs> you know, they're allowed to have their phones. And so they were like, oh, you know, on Drag Race, you know, she was comparing it to her time on Drag Race US. And it was like, well, you know what? Shut up. Be thankful. You can watch porn and jerk off. I couldn't do that. <laughs> you know what? When you're right, you're right. Well, Nikki says that obviously by wearing her outfit and her wig, she looks magnificent. She yeah. says it's sublime and glad it suits her. Daphne thanks her for the train and says it's never too long. Juliet is dazzled and says she is beautiful and inspiring and says they don't know where she came from, but it was an apparition. Kitty says that she really set the tone of the rusical. He says the lip sync was quite long and complicated as it had different rhythms, but her delivery was truly extraordinary. DJ Barbara Bush says it was a mix of Rika Zaria and Regine, who were her, her idols. So she loved it and wanted to see more. All right. Um, no shocker to anyone. Um, I'm going to give this an excess. Oh, excess. Beautiful. What a beautiful look. The audience. 93% excess, 7% adequate. Okay. Next up is Sarah Forever. Look by Otopsi, here by Lula Strega. I appreciate the camp approach, but the concept of a sewing look is a bit run down at this point. 
I think had she made this larger than life moment, but she did make the larger life moment work for her. It's playful and cute. It's just on the safer side. You thought that was safe? Because we've seen this concept before. I mean, even Valentina did something like this. Everybody loves the go-to knockoff on Drag Race, the franchise is Jeremy Scott. Moschino. That's like a mm-hmm. very like easy thing to knock off, right? Like everyone's done. I mean, for drag in general, for the record. When can we have knockoffs of Christian Siriano looks on Drag Race? I mean, I don't, <laughs> but I just like it's again, it's camp. It was camp, but it was really well made. I don't know, maybe because I'm a fashion designer, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Shit like that. Um, I don't know. And like I kept looking at like all the props she had, and like I could tell obviously like they're handmade and like I can just appreciate how long it took somebody to make them you know do you think those shears work they don't they were literally (laughs) tinfoil cardboard like it was just yeah Kitty says that her performance complemented Punani's perfectly DJ Barbara Bush says that her duet was perfect and she really wanted to be their girlfriends despite the fact they dislike people she says her performance was great and is glad she discovered her. Nikki says she really likes this camp look. And Juliet says it's very pop, really funny. At the same time, she says she totally fulfilled the excessive theme. And Daphne says it's funny, but she would love to have seen her in a Holt Couture outfit. And I think I'm with Daphne on this. That being said, it's still in excess. Oh, it's absolutely in excess. But, you know, I think I, this is every funny drag queen on drag race gets this shit it's like oh we'd mm-hmm. love to see you in a high glamour moment and i'm like shut up like they're on brand like it's so good like just leave them alone like not the audience loved it have. though yeah well 91 excess nine percent adequate it's good whether you like it or, you know like whether you relate to it or not whether it was mm-hmm. you know couture or not like it's it was great it was a good look next up it's kiona look by pippa just Pippa, hair by Kiona, nails by House of Tokyo. Those are balls on her arms. I love the fabric. It's so pretty. The colors are amazing. I love the hair. This is the hair I want to see her do whenever she's doing full-on drag. I think not having a necklace is fine as the earrings are the focal point. My only tiny, teeny, tiny, tiny critique here is that I know she was trying to color match the eyeshadow to the gown, but she picked a color that was a little too green compared to the rich teal. I would have just stayed with purple and played with that like little soft lilac of the flowers. But overall, I think this was my favorite look of the night. Um, you know, it's funny that you say about the makeup, right? Yes, I agree with you there. I don't think, I don't think she needed both colors. I think that was yeah. a little too on the nose, but as beautiful as she looked, I feel like looks like this I've seen and been there, done that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On because drag race or in general? In general, I feel like. Okay. I feel this is a very like go-to red carpet kind of like silhouette. Um, and so I kind of wish she had pushed it a little more, but she still looked beautiful. So as my fashion expert, are there is there a better term for balls in the arm? Uh, the balls. <laughs> her um blue song sleeve her puff there we go her yeah i mean balls balls her balls (laughs) kitty says that he loves the look because he understood the references saying once again she's paying tribute to their ballroom culture he says she's doing it with elegance now i am ignorant 
here. I would love to know what those references are. So if anyone could guide me here, please. I said the same thing. Um, I wasn't 100% sure either, but I definitely, again, when he said it, I guess I kind of, I don't know. Like, again, I, I feel like I've seen, I've seen something like this before, maybe right. necessarily. Again, I don't know too much about ballroom culture, but you know, yeah. Daphne says that when she saw her Quasimodo, she immediately thought of Lucas, the young boy who was bullied at school and committed suicide at home. She says that what she did could save the lives of many of these young people. Nikki says that it's not just a queen who told the story of Quasimodo, it's a queen who told the story of an entire community, and that really touched her because she expected to laugh and see something campy. She says she actually saw herself on stage. Juliet says that she can still feel emotion as it was so powerful. She says that she could, could see the fear in her eyes and actually felt it. She says when she changed and suddenly blossomed, the solar energy emerged and freed itself from all of them. She says her heart opened up all at once. This Juliet chick, she f- seems like one of those um, wacky, fun people. I want to get high with her. She was in her feelings, like. <laughs> To the max like she definitely i again i was like that let, you know that. What? i was well, like let where? her let her join me and matraka on a ayahuasca trip i'm here for it truly and kiona will say that it's very important what she did because she was telling a rusgal but also her story and she says they trusted her to tell the story and says if she's going to shine she can't do it without them there i'm giving this an excess oh excess for sure Audience, 81% excess, 9%, or 19% adequate. Okay. Um, Nani, look by Ryan Benekar, hair by Sony Dupuket. Um, I think this is another fun and playful idea. It is a dress and a wire hanger as an homage to playing with clothes as a kid. I think the dress itself wanted to be grander. And green and leopard print, is it not a pair I would like to see again? Michelle Visage would actually be fuming that she did this to her jersey color. Um, I like how the hair is stuck into the hanger. I need a necklace. The chest is very bare. It's almost there. I like it, but I know she could have gone even bigger. I think it definitely needed uh, some kinks worked out, but I still really liked it. And I thought it was very unique. Mm -hmm. I think it did for me what I wish Sarah's look had done for me a little more. You know what I mean? Like just there was a little more originality there. Yeah. Uh, And I appreciated it. And that's why I was like, you know what? You look good, girl. It's whimsical. I like whimsical. Yeah. DJ Barbosh to ask if she can make that in a larger size if she really needs this outfit for herself. Daphne says, as far as her, as far as her performance, they were awesome and made her very happy. Juliet says, when we arrive as queens is a fucking hit song. Nikki says that she looked great and says if she needs to look at details, one shone slightly brighter than the other, but thanks them for her energy and for bringing the elements to make the story evolve. Because we needed some negativity to figure out who else was going to be the bottom. Right. I will give it an excess. Excess, for sure. Audience, 77% excess, 23% adequate. Ginger Beach, look by Mademoiselle Kiss, hair by Holly White, nails by Drag My Nails. I love this idea to try to lean into the world of kink and pair it with fashion all while doing drag. At first, it took me a moment to see it was a belt, but once I got it, I was here for it. Um, I think it's wrapped in the best way possible, giving you a peek of that TA corset, um, the leather boots, the leather hat, right way to go. This was really amazing idea for Ginger, and it was not what I expected her to do. 
Yeah, I thought she looked hot, which is very interesting yeah. because, you know, it's not necessarily the first word that I think would come to mind. Um, no shade to her, but just from what I've seen uh, from her drag so far, but um, the presentation was pretty immaculate. Like I saw the details, the finishings were perfect. Um, you know, love the Gautier reference, love, you know, the bondage references. Like, it's great. Like I, I really was very, very pleased with this look. Daphne says, fasten your seatbelt. Ginger bitch is fully strapped in. She says it's extremely well done and says the corset is, of course, attributed to Jean Balls Gautier and the braids are amazing. DJ Barbara Bush says that she set off fantasies and it makes her kind of wet. <laughs> Juliet says that she loves the name Esmeralda. Good for you. Uh, she says she really didn't have that many lines, but all eyes were on her when she arrived and she was really into it. Nikki will tell her to not forget to change her makeup. She says that Esmeralda had the same evil look and says she struggled to connect with her eyes and to see the energy she was trying to convey. I want to break this apart for a second. She is, I guess, uh, a greener queen compared to some of the other contestants. I understand the idea of changing her makeup, but would Judge Nikki tell that to someone like Trixie Mattel? See, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I don't, like, where are they allowed to experiment and grow? And where are they allowed to remain true to themselves and keep a branding identity? I don't And know. I guess that's the thing is, is, are her eyes branding? Right. I don't know, because we have seen some of the other queens play around with shapes and colors and, and, and stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so I really think we're grasping at straws here. I don't know. I Yeah, I think to your point, they had to say negative shit to warrant who was on the bottom. And that's just the way the cookie crumbled. You know, that's they had the to say cunty? the cookie cunty crumbled. Um, but. Was there anything really wrong with the look? No. Was there anything really wrong with her makeup? No, I don't think so. I agree. I will give it an excess. Yeah, excess. Oh my God, for sure. Audience, 87% excess, 13% adequate. Moon, look by Zonia. Nails by Nails by Becca. I love the hat. That is like a going to the store hat, going to the beach hat. That is a statement. Love the dress and how it gives us a nice drape and train. The bag. That is the confusing part. I don't think it added anything and it only seemed to pull focus from what she was already wearing. I think had she had a different material, perhaps it could have felt like one full story, but I think it's a very whimsical and fun moment for Moon. I love Moon so much, but I really am not a fan of this look. Tell me why. Um, something about the proportion, something mm -hmm. about the fit, something about the colors she used i mean my favorite part about this is the hat yeah and you know her mug always on point but i just this didn't do her any favors i feel like it like swallowed her up and it just like wasn't very flattering and yes in terms of excess like yes it was giant and it was big and oversized and whatever but like she's definitely looks better on the runway and she's definitely i feel given us looks that were better for this runaway previously. Right. Um, is that a subway hat? Can you wear that on the subway? Um, yeah, you do whatever on the subway. <laughs> I mean, in New York City, for sure. 
Giddy says that in the musical, her character was the best played. He says she embodied it really well with a lot of humor and also enjoyed the quality of the transformation of her face. Juliette says it was incredibly brave. DJ Barbara Bush says it may have been quite painful to play a toxic parent because unfortunately it's very common in the community to face this kind of person and she embodied him wonderfully. And Nikki thanks her for putting herself at risk as it paid off. I'm going to give this a soft excess. Yeah, I'll give this a soft excess as well. And I think it's just because, you know what, almost her, um, I feel her look in the musical <laughs> probably saved her in that aspect too. Like, I feel like it was almost a better look. Yeah. Um, audience, very mixed here. 52% excess, 48% adequate. And finally, Mami Wata. Uh, no design is listed. Okay, so guide me through this. Why is she holding bed comf- bed comforters? Like, did she steal them from the hotel? I think this look is itself is cute. I like the color on her. I love the hood. I love the embellishment she put on her face. It's very David Bowie lightning in pink. Um, just a little hard to see from a distance. I didn't really care for how the top was draped. It felt a bit messy. Amanda's this fashion. Oh, it's very much so fashion. She's giving like, <laughs> Iman realness. You know what I mean? Like paying a tribute uh-huh. to her, to her uh, deceased lover. Um, I, you know, what? the only thing I don't understand is, yes, the application of the arm detail is what got to me because you're right. She's just like holding it. And I wish there had been like some sort of strap, arm strap, something where it was just more fluid on the look. Mm-hmm. Um, more cohesive and it just like I don't know like Kiana's look for instance gave me the same vibe in that sense of the slave detail but you didn't Mm -hmm. notice Kiana holding anything or like you know that's what it takes away from the fantasy um but that being said between the color and just like the size of the silhouette and like she definitely made a statement and so you know she she definitely looked good and I think honestly Especially after last week, since you were so upset about it, I think she definitely redeemed herself. Absolutely. I just was like one of those, it was one of those moments where I was like, maybe this is a fashion reference that I just don't get, but just the way they, they look like bed comforters. It looks like you're about to put it back onto your bed. Honestly, that's a moment. (laughs) She's ready to go to a hotel. That's fashion, yeah. Giddy loves the look and says it reminded him a lot of the creations of Balmung and the silhouettes of the Saharan people. Daphne says Grace Jones and Alaya has nothing on her. She says it's just as pretty as what she did on stage. Nikki says that she understands that musical comedy was a dream of hers. And if she came there thinking she was going to be the fashion queen to her, she will remain a baker forever because she sold it very well. She says it was phenomenal and she stole the scene every time she opened her mouth. DJ Barbara Bush says that she was the light and shone on everyone. She says it was great to see and feel it. And Juliet says that if she had a baker like that, she'd go refine her brioche more often. I don't know if that was double entendre, but um, great. It definitely was. I'll give this. In excess. Yeah, for sure. I think she did a great job. Excess. Audience, 70% excess, 30% adequate. Um, the queens head backstage on a high. Though some of them are feeling fine, some of them are feeling a little ambivalent. Sarah says it's very complicated, as Mommy points out that everyone got positive reviews. Now, Cookie will say that no part was less than another, and everyone's shown. But then we have Ginger come in and be like, Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I do not feel that way. 
I'm dead. She will say that her part was forced upon her as she tried to get another part as no one listened to her apart from Kiona. And this is where things get fishy. Ginger is not going to give them a life is beautiful moment. And she says it really pissed her off that when she tried to plead her case, no one hesitated to say, no, you're not right for the part. Um, That's because it's a room full of drag queens who all want the prize. So they're not going to be your champion here. She will call out Cookie for saying that Ginger wasn't right for the duet as Punani was a better fit and she shouldn't do that. Ginger will say that she didn't have many lines and she was robbed of her challenge. And this is the untucked drama I've been waiting for. Cookie is going to come in and say that she doesn't know why she's saying all this now as she thinks she feels her performance wasn't up to par. So now she's deciding she was robbed. She says it's hypocritical, to which Ginger will come back with, it's not hypocritical at all, as she said it, and she wasn't listening, as she was doing her own thing. Now, Mommy and Confession will be like, well, if you felt that way yesterday, why didn't you say anything? And apparently just no one was listening. Is that the moral of the story? Are they, are they just not respecting Ginger? Um, I kind of was like, did I miss a part of the episode? Because yeah, I, I was like, did I fall asleep again? Because um i don't remember any drama i don't remember her making a case i don't remember anything about anything i remember her saying okay i'll take that role bye-bye you know and it wasn't like yeah yeah, we missed a whole part we missed some drama but i just i i don't understand like i just there was only one role left like what did you want Cookie is like, I don't understand how this was my fault. And Ginger's like, I didn't say it was your fault. Why is she mentioning your name then? Well, Cookie says she's a big girl and she can fight her own battles. And it's starting to get a little personal. Mm-hmm. Sarah says this is even better than the young and the restless. And it's like, oh my God, they have that in France too? Yeah, of course. Subtitles. Look at Cookie getting this mean girl villain edit this season. Did you expect that from her? Uh, yes. Yes, I did because I knew her from before. That's why. So she is living up to her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. That is like um, anytime, um, anytime I ever looked at like Cam stories or like whatever shit like that, like she was always the one like in the background, like doing stuff. Um, now, reading. you had speculated in a, in a, uh, a universe somewhere that perhaps Cookie Conti could have been the host of Drag Race France. Oh, Cam. I thought Cam was going to be the host. Yeah, that, but I, how, how would Cookie have fared? I don't think it would have worked. That's true, because again, and it all made sense at that point because Cam's drag family, like, we're going to see them in the next couple. Like, there's no yeah. if and buts about it. And how could they have applied if Cam was, like, the judge? There was no way. Right. Yana will say to Ginger that she was great as Meraldois, as it was hilarious and nobody would have danced like that, which gets Mommy to crack up knowing that it's all a lie and Kiona's just only trying to calm things down um that would have been me I would be the one laughing in the corner being like don't look at me but this is so stupid Cookie will say that maybe it was her fault but she wants that what was best for the group and she is always trying to help she won't do it again now and that's on that what did you think of this drama do you think the pressure is finally getting to them um I thought it was dumb. I didn't really see where it came from. Again, I was, I'm still confused as to the origins of said drama. And then it kind of felt like you've all been so nice to each other this whole time. I don't understand. Like, why, why now? Right? Like, is it, is it really 
things getting to you or is it something else? You know, like part of me, like, I don't know, like I've tried to put myself in their shoes and it's like, if it's my last moment, right? Like if Ginger's insecure about like, oh shit, I'm going to get eliminated or like I place on the bottom or like, clearly there's a problem. I wouldn't want to leave on a bad note because that's like the last impression you're giving somebody. So I'd rather like, you know, clear the air, be good and just not stress about it. But then at the same time, it's like, maybe you want to be remembered. Like, is this, I don't know. I, I like, I'm trying to, it seemed a little sus and I just, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. The Queens have returned. The results are in. Nikki has decided that the winner of the week is Kiona. She will win Nona Source costume made by star designer Victor Vinsanto. Are you familiar with that person? No, I don't know who they are. <laughs> okay. Cookie, Moon, Mommy, and Sarah safe leaving Punani and Ginger is the bottom two. Do you agree? I feel like this should have been an episode where nobody went home. I think. Is it possible once again we have an acting challenge next week with a certain amount of roles necessary? I just... I it's feel all. Like, I, you're right. Can I tell you what specifically made it feel like nobody should have gone home? The mm-hmm. judges panel made such a hoopla about how yes. impactful the Rusical was, how their roles are like literally saving kids from like killing themselves. And you want to send someone home for that? Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like we've seen in, in the other, um, in the Rue universe, we've seen other instances where a challenge this impactful has no consequences, you know? Right. And it just would have been more meaningful that way, I think. I mean, freaking Candy Muse was saved on a Rusical. Well, she was, <laughs> she was, she was, and she wasn't, right? Like, it was like... Candy, Candy, like, I'm not finished with you yet. like, you're not. You know, it was one of those dumb moments, which, like, I don't know, like, I, I find that, I don't, like, I, this is where I wish I could ask Nikki, like, how much control do you have? Because I know if it I'll were, ask her. I'll find. I'll find a way yeah, to like, ask it's her like one if, day. If, if it were up to you, like, would you have done? Like, I'm sure she she probably want to do saves all the time. And that'll they, be the second question after I ask her. Why did you eliminate Peach? Right, and it's like, what else can we do about that? Like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's it's tough because again, someone one per only one person can win, right? And so you got to get there somewhere uh, somehow. And that's, we, we just have to, by default. The song is Le Dernier Jour de Disco by Julien Amena. We are going to learn that this is the only second time Punani has lip synced, ever. Wild. So does that mean she's probably more of a live singer? Like what, what is her, what does she do in drag? Um, I think, aren't they like a comedy duo? Like her and Rose do Uh show. So I feel like, I mean, again, lip syncing does not a drag artist make. That's true. That's true. The song starts off very soft and like a French torch song, but you knew with the word disco in the title, things were going to get going. Uh, uh. Punani was embodying the song. The camera made sure we saw it. We got a lot of Punani shots. Ginger will drop her belt and give us a wild child performance, whipping those braids around like she's at yep. Folsom. 
This was one of those moments after such a great challenge. Yeah, make it a double save. They, they both did well. They really, really left their hearts on the stage. And again, I didn't see it, but apparently they left their hearts on, you know, the, the stage after the musical. So like, why? Why would you do that? I don't understand. Clearly doesn't like, Nikki clearly doesn't like nice things as she's decided someone's got to go. Ginger is eliminated, Punani stays. Do you agree? I'm in between the two. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, it's time for our burning questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is Ginger's legacy? Oh, it's interesting because I want to say she, you know, showed us that there's not necessarily an age limit to drag or, you know, a size limit like that. She, she definitely made her point at her exit, which was very true. She represented a whole lot of groups uh, just by being present on drag race, which is great. Um, but I am a little bummed about her, like little meltdown and untuck. So it's kind of like sour for me. Right. You're like, well, oh, all right, get her out of there. Yeah. I think Ginger was a really, um, fun character obviously i think she went a lot further than i think anyone expected her to do um but you're right she proved that anyone could do drag at any age and it doesn't matter and um i'm i look forward to see what she does next and i'm curious to see um how she will evolve and grow yeah absolutely i think you know um this is only the beginning right like i don't think drag race defines any drag artist and this is just a great platform to her to be on and expose her drag and who knows what roles she will get from this i mean as far as i'm concerned she might just become a jean paul gautier muse herself you know there it is all right who won the week who had the best episode oh <sighs> you know i think obviously our winner kiana uh but mommy wata had a great week as well which again i wasn't necessarily expecting um uh, i'll give it to kiana she yeah um and then you know I, I i don't know like i think again this was a tough week because i really thought all of them shine bright yeah we got to have a ball next week who do you think is going to slay and who's going to be in trouble mm. i don't know who does their own shit i don't know actually but i actually no you know what i'm trying to think i'm trying to think based on what i know about them before drag race and me- i think mommy is screwed oh my god you're still thinking about that hem um i'm i'm worried about someone like cookie because she's mm-hmm. used to getting commissions yeah and when you're used to getting commissions you don't even bother with a sewing machine it appears also what? someone will make some sort of announcement on stage what do you think it is Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, in the preview. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I, I heard and ball. You, and, then you hear, and then you hear Punani say, I hope she doesn't do something stupid. We'll find out. We'll find out. Oh, are they bringing someone back? I don't know. After Ooh. five episodes, the winner of the season is. This is a tough one. It's so hard. They all have had their moments for the most part, right? The people that are left have all had their moments. I think. Um, I hold on let me let me really like if I don't think about it if I don't think about it just based on track record 
it's going to be Sarah. Yeah, I'm here for it. I think Sarah's yeah. great, but um, she hasn't had a super week in a while and others are doing well too. And that's what's exciting about the season. This cast is very, very strong. Right, exactly. But for the longest time, for the first couple of weeks, I really was convinced like she had no competition, right? Yeah. Um, and then other people started performing better. And now I'm I'm torn, but I still, again, if I look just challenge win wise, I mean, she still, she still has the most wins, right? Yeah. I think Sarah's a contender. I think Yona's a contender. I, I do honestly think Punani might be a contender. Yeah. Um, but we'll find out. Mm. Can we find you on social media event mode? Any projects you want to plug? Oh my goodness. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at amanda.massacre, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App at Amanda Massacre Drag, all one word. And I'm going to be doing some really fun things soon. Um, I'm very excited to be um, guesting at our lovely local drag brunch spot called Queen with the amazing Frida Culo. Mm-hmm. Who I- I'm always on for Drag Race Mexico recaps. Um, so I'm excited for that. And I think everyone should come because even if you don't like me, Frida puts on an amazing show and the food is really good. So, you know, I'm just a plus. That's it. I love it. Well, thank yeah. you for being here. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me.